This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Good evening, dummies. Monday, August 9th, 7.36 p.m., it is Monday, episode 202. I hope you had a good weekend. Friday was a uh, was a fun show. Seems like people are reacting to uh, when I spent a little bit more time writing and, and keeping um, some of the pre-written articles when it comes to newspapers and then kind of giving my perspective on them, but really kind of giving you my take on certain situations. So I'm going to keep doing that. It does take a little more time, but it's a fun experience to actually see people react to a lot more of your own content. Of course, if I had a fleet of writers, I would do that, but it's really difficult to do that. But either way, I'm still going to give you my opinion, and you can either love me or hate me, agree or disagree. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me, and that's the premise of the show. What are we doing tonight? It's my party, and I'll die if I want to. A lot of music in my my uh, titles this evening. Uh, not all of them, just two out of three. But what is that referring to? It's the 60th birthday of President Barack Obama. Obviously, the 60th birthday is very, very important to the president as he invited 500 people to Martha's Vineyard without masks. Now, I have video, I have pictures, and I have my own take on this, and I want to make sure I don't blow this out of proportion. I want to preface this properly. I think it's outstanding that President Obama is having a huge party. He's made his millions through charitable contributions, wink, wink, That's great. He should be able to do that. What I have a problem with is that we're not supposed to, so why is he? And that is what I take umbrage with. We're going to talk about that tonight. I've got some video, some surveillance footage. This is great. We we tasked some satellites for the show. We spare no expense here, folks. Next, the truth giveth, the media taketh awayeth. (laughs) That's really not what it is. I did this the last time I did something like this. The truth giveth, the media taketh away. I don't know why I want to put an ith after everything. Old English. The whole point is the media. There has been a large amount of talk about conspiracy theories from QAnon and all this other stuff. And I have just completely blasted those apart. I think it's ridiculous, a lot of the things they said. Like the secret tribunal that Donald Trump was heralding, that National Guard were there to overthrow Biden. And it's just incredibly stupid stuff. But I'm not going to sit here and juxtapose that some of it isn't actually factual. And it is. We're going to talk about that tonight and why the media has ignored it. And certainly not all of it, just only the stuff that would actually help Republicans. We'll go into that tonight. And lastly, we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. Well, he wasn't English, was he? Was Snyder English? I don't know, but he sounds better with an English accent. Right. We're not going to take it anymore. It's like Billy Idol. Oh, man, you guys remember that movie, Wedding Singer? It was so good. Billy Idol gets it. All right, whatever. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And what is it? It's the fact that we need to stop not being sheep, because I think that's a strong word. But Journey said it best, don't stop believing. I think we have spent a long time believing in our government, believing in the process, and believing in a democracy. 
And we might need to come to the realization that it's time to wake up and realize that maybe it will never work. What does that mean for you as Americans? What does that mean for our current government? Well, it means a lot of things. We will go ahead and go through it tonight. I think tonight's show will be interesting for you to watch and to get a perspective that maybe you haven't heard before. Maybe a little bit of Mark Levin, maybe some uh, Dan Bongino. But here's the thing. I try to bring a balanced opinion to the whole thing. I am most assuredly a Republican. However, I do have some liberal viewpoints when it comes to social policy. I try to stay down the middle, but lately, I'm not going to lie. I have been leaning a little bit uh, right of center. And the reason why is because it usually happens when one majority is in office. I did it with Barack Obama. I did it with President Bill Clinton. I did it with Bush. I did it with Donald Trump. And now I'm doing it most assuredly with Mr. Joe Biden and the real president, President Kamala Harris. What do Barack Obama and Donald Trump have in common? Well, a couple of things. Both are former presidents, as you know, and both were harassed for the color of their skin. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, you've heard me call you dummies. And what does that mean? Well, dummies are the listeners of Don't Unfriend Me. It's an acronym, the Don't Unfriend Me's. Barstool Sports has the stoolies. We have the dummies. And you were born. The Don't Unfriend Me's. These are the people who are here to learn something, have some dialogue, or just spend a little bit of time. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to uh, say, hey, I don't really like what you had to say, or I, I love what you had to say. That's okay. We can do that. It's the people who are the trolls, like this guy, Jon Snow, who keeps making accounts and coming back. And I keep putting the same thing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. He doesn't take the hint. He's probably never even seen the show. The point is, is that there are trolls out there, too. These are the people who just want to stir up trouble. They just want to go ahead and argue without any points whatsoever. They're not here to have a conversation. They will never change their mind. And fortunately, we're going to get rid of those people. They are the dum-dums. It's not censorship or cancel culture. Come on, I'm not a major corporation. I'm not a, a giant mob of people trying to say that you can't run your business or be in movies or even be a child molester or assume child molester like the director of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, get fired and then rehired back, Mr. Gunn. But the point is, we've never hired back Roseanne Barr or Gina Carano. But because you're a liberal, we just fire you for nine, ten months, keep you on the payroll, and then bring you back. But anyway, I digress. Dum-dums, you're most certainly your special kinds of suckers, and you're not going to stick around because you just lower the value, and the intelligence level of the conversation. Dustin Dinkelman is the head dum-dum. He's been gone a while. I wonder what rock he went back under. Anyway, folks, let's get into the show tonight. We should have a lot of fun. But first, before we do that, I just want to make sure I link my social media sites. Don't unfriend me. Host over on the Facebook and Anchor, where you can find all my podcasts. I'm on iHeartRadio, Google iTunes, pretty much everywhere where there are podcasts, you will see me lay my head. Also at Don't Unfriend Me on Instagram and YouTube. Why was it taken? Well, somebody was a hell of a lot more clever than I was and got to Don't Unfriend Me first. Not very fun. If that is not your bag and you are not a social media person, that's fine. You head to Don't Unfriend which is my website. 
get all my podcast videos and everything else you would like to see over on donutfremy.com. Leave me a message. Also, last but not least, please give me a like, follow, share, and subscribe. Sorry it takes so long, folks, but I try to do the same thing over and over. Otherwise, my wife yells at me for not promoting the site. Give me a like, share, follow, subscribe. You can click the little YouTube envelope right here. And you can subscribe to my page. And if you like and follow on Facebook, please do both. You will get updates and stay current with my site. Let's get into it. This should be a doozy. It's my party and I'll die if I want to. Listen, Barack Obama, I've said it earlier and I'll say it again, has every right to have a party. And I know he's not asking my permission. However, the question really comes down to why? Is he holding a party? Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the pictures that we see. Obviously, all dressed to the nines, looking very good with some African-style beads, some blukers. I mean, I must be going yachting later. Some uh, high-cut, what are those? Terry cloth pants? No, something, maybe canvas. And a beautiful Hawaiian shirt. Looks great. Looks like he's having fun. But where are the masks? Where's the social distancing? See, the party was supposed to be 500 people, but it was cut back. So the question is, why was it cut back? Well, people raised arms. Quite a few people, even some Democrats, said this isn't the time or place for the biggest party of the year. Because remember, just last week when Donald Trump held a rally, once again, we asked, where are the masks? Why is he doing this? He's killing Americans. But the border's still open and trickling, but that's really not the most important thing. The interesting part of this is that they put it in a dance floor. It's a Martha Vineyard home, $12 million home. 30 acres, beautiful, gorgeous. They're putting in a dance floor. They're just going to have some fun. Cut the rug, so to speak. There's President Obama with his group of people right there. That's about, I don't know, 40. And that's just one part of the house. When you see this tent, you'll we'll all know that it wasn't 500 people. This party went on absolutely as planned. We have some rappers, some DJs smoking some blunts. Hey, it's all good. It's California. We get to do that. That's fine. And then, of course, we have the president cutting some rug. People are using Instagram filters. Once again, pictures of a lot more than 50, $500 bottles of liquor, $5,000 bottles of uh, tequila. This was a rocking good time. We all know the president likes to party, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's take a view. Here's the tent. And that's multiple tents, folks. That's just not one. The house is over to the right-hand side. Look how long that thing is. Massive. Beautiful property. Gorgeous. I sure would like to go there. I'm not sure I know what's going on here, but uh, somebody is uh, has a filter on, and uh, President Obama is trying to dance. I have no idea what the hell that was. Let's watch that again. President doesn't know how to dance. It's kind of terrifying. Looks like he's doing the lumberjack or something, or maybe the Sasquatch. All right. I don't know why we always have to stick our tongues out, too, when we're watching or making videos. Maybe I should do that. Is that cool? Is there a benefit to that? Let's get into it. Here's the problem. I kid, first of all. But the title that I, when I was looking this up, read the 60th birthday bash. The former president scaled back the guest list for his party on Martha's Vineyard. Who's in and who's out? It's interesting because what we've been hearing is that parties are bad. Sporting events are bad. We can have basically armed combat in sporting events where nobody's wearing masks. They salivate and spit and sweat all over each other. But the people in the stands have to wear masks and sit six feet apart. 
there's a lot of contradictions about what happens. We can fill up grocery stores, but we have to wear masks and have plastic shields in front of us and all have to use hand sanitizer. There's a lot of things that we keep hearing that we have to do. But why doesn't the left do it? And why doesn't the media call out President Barack Obama for this party? Why don't they call out Gavin Newsom? Why didn't they call out Nancy Pelosi when she went and got her hair cut? Why didn't they call out all the senators that were on the, on the state legislatures that were on the private plane that were supposed to be vaccinated and all somehow miraculously got COVID? And why don't, yes, they call out Ted Cruz and other Republicans who've done the same thing? I get it. But the point is, is that they always call out one group. Why not both? If it's for the safety of America, why not talk about the illegal border crossings? Dumping illegal immigrants into cities and paying for that and those flights into sanctuary cities that absolutely, most assuredly had COVID. Now they're saying they're testing. I want to be transparent. I did not vote for President Obama during his first or second run. However, I certainly didn't vote against him either. I defended the president, or at least the office, fervently. I believe that if you can't respect the man, you should always respect the office. And although I poke fun of President Biden, I still hold the same standard for the office of the president and do think that President Biden is not inherently evil. But he does surround himself with Judas as personified. Now that we have that cleared up, over the last year and some odd months, I have personally witnessed over 100 charity events canceled and postponed. These events raise millions of dollars for 501c charities and veteran organizations. Why have organizations like Travis Mannion, Tunnels for Towers, Purple Heart Foundation, Marine Corps Marathon, and hundreds of others have to move to virtual fundraisers that don't even raise a tenth of what in-person events do? This is a progressive issue because it also impacts venues, caterers, jobs, and most of all, veterans. We fail to see what our actions can impact when we make choices like this. But for the last year, we have disregarded the middle class and asked for more than they can possibly afford. From unemployment to foreclosure to bankruptcy, the middle has tightened the proverbial belt and much more they will suffocate without some release. Hence why this 60th birthday, birthday bash is so disturbing. It isn't that President Obama shouldn't be able to throw a gala of epic proportions, that unicorns and the firstborn of every child in the village shouldn't be sacrificed in his honor, that he shouldn't invoke his right of prima nocta and breed Trump supporters out of existence. Hell, he can even raise taxes for the ninth year if he really wanted to do that to us peasants. What this is about is respecting the institution of the presidency so that we can continue to respect the institution of the presidency. And before everyone comes out and says, well, you didn't care about Donald Trump disrespecting it in the insurrection, I've addressed that many a times on my show. Stick to the point. We're talking about President Obama. Go look at my catalog if you want to hear the things I've said about President Donald Trump. There's a litany of them. But President Obama is not a king. He's not royalty. In fact, his lineage has little to do with whatever power resides with him. He does, however, consider himself above all others. If this soiree doesn't convince you of that, then nothing will. But on Saturday, as the celebrities began descending on the island, every new paparazzi shot sent a wave of hurt feelings through the Obama alumni network who had been cut and were left to track the party via the tabloids. 
celebrity couples Christy Teigen and John Legend, as well as Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, were photographed arriving on the island ahead of the party. Alongside actor Don Cheadle and comedian Stephen Colbert, and even Real Housewives of Atlanta star Kim Fields, who was photographed flying onto the island. Of course, the cover story was that people showed up anyway, even after they had been cut from the largest off-screen theater in recent memory. The party was supposed to be dwindled down from 500 to only close family and friends. But when your net worth is $70 million and you control the news cycle, everyone is friends and family, except for the villagers. There were no cries of outrage from the left. There were no parallels drawn to President Donald Trump rallies. There was nothing but the quiet before the party of the year kicked off into a thundering roar. Damn the mass and calls of safety. This was going on no matter the cost. Because in the end, nobody truly believes the rhetoric that they are spewing anyway. The progressives have shown us what they actually think of us. And we will never be a part of their collective. Masks were put away for Armani. $5,000 bottles of liquor flowed. Instead of talk about small vials of vaccines, $250 Kobe beef was flown in from the Orient, which replaced the talk of how Americans would decide whether to pay the electric bill or eat for the rest of the month. And lies flowed like the fountains of crystal champagne that resembled the proverbial bubbles that are the dreams of Americans everywhere. Is President Obama responsible for all of that? Of course not. And President Obama should have whatever party his millions in speaking fees and undocumented charities afford him. But so should we. That is the point that is being overlooked. President Obama was selling hope. Hope for a better life. Hope for a better tomorrow. Hope for change. Instead, we found out something much more Shakespearean and Machiavellian going on. With the deadliest version of COVID <clears throat> looming, the variant isn't the only delta lurking over America. There is the delta between the progressives' demands and their own actions. We have seen this ad nauseum over the last 11 months, and the gap is growing every day, that the political theater is in full effect. As blades and venomous convictions are spit into the air from the stage, the crowd eagerly watches in anticipation for the next scene to unfold. There is no time for interpretation or speculation. By the time the first scene closes, a new one takes its place. All the while, there is a general malaise over the onlookers as they stare in confusion and derision. At no time do the ticketed question the issuers. Instead, they look at each other as cries of hogwash and liars are shouted back in spite, while others on the other side scream silence and hush. The crowd grows restless and fight amongst one another. As the stage director smiles to himself that yet again another successful sold-out show has transpired, city after city, night after night, the script is consumed and fed to keep the people drunk with any feeling other than inquisitiveness or maligned outrage. All hail the king. The king isn't dead, but perchance our dreams. The truth giveth, the media taketh away. Everyone understands the Soviet Union tried to cover up the Chernobyl disaster. But what's less known is that they already pulled it off once before. In 1957, an accident at a plutonium production site near the remote city of Kiznith in the Ural Mountains, saw the spread of radioactive particles for tens of thousands of square miles across the USSR. 
kids, the USSR was Soviet Russia. They were a socialist country. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. Nearby population centers were evacuated slowly, but it wasn't until the late 1970s that a defector began to reveal the true scope of the incident. The Soviets, as should be apparent, were not the first people you would want watching over your nuclear reactor or fixing your car or, or, or. Still, you have to hand it to the commies. At least when they lied, they were acting in the interests of their own glorious motherland. It never would have occurred to them to cover up the truth about a deadly emergency on behalf of a rival power. Yet somehow, that's the corner of our elite media, and they've backed themselves into it. By scoffing for months at the possibility that the coronavirus originated in a Chinese facility, by continuing to paper over that possibility, now they've effectively relegated themselves to water carriers for Beijing, China. Drip, drip, drip. Go the revelations surrounding the so-called lab leak theory. As fresh testimony and documents force us to reassess what we thought we knew about the pandemic, scientists have now admitted that lab leak is perfectly valid, while a handful even say it's more plausible than zoonosis. The previously regnant idea that the virus was passed to a human by an animal in the Wall Street Journal, two researchers declare that the coronavirus bears the genetic fingerprint of a gain-of-function experiment. We've heard this with the arguments between Paul and Dr. Fauci. I'm not saying either one is true. I'm saying that they scoffed and swept it under the rug, which is an interesting point considering the more that comes out, it's almost turning out to be false. In the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, writer Nicholas Wade points to the presence of a so-called furin cleavage site in the COVID-19 spike protein, which is unlikely to have evolved naturally, which the Wuhan Institute of Virology has inserted into viruses before. Into the sunlight has come news that three researchers at Wuhan Laboratory in question became mysteriously sick in the fall of 2019. So happens when I thought I also got it in that late November. Wasn't even in the U.S. then, was it? People were exhibiting symptoms here in the U.S. as well as these three scientists, and they were consistent with COVID-19. Emails from Dr. Fauci's inbox released uh, a few months ago show he was apprised that the coronavirus looked engineered in January 2020, only to reverse course shortly thereafter. And on their heels comes a classified scientific report from May 2020 that warned the pandemic could have escaped from a lab. From within the scientific community come whispers that those who lent credence to a lab leak were suppressed and silenced. I was actually suspended for 24 hours because of it. Catherine Eban at Vanity Fair notes that a science-free letter published in the prestigious Lancet Journal effectively cast the theory as xenophobic and stigmatized dissent. Ian Byrell at the Unheard Documents further corruption at the leading scientific periodical saying they slow-walked lab leak research and that one reason may have been Chinese funding. Jamie Metzl, a World Health Organization advisor and a self-proclaimed progressive Democrat, accuses the Lancet of thuggery and calls for the publication's editor-in-chief to resign. Drip, drip, drip. And surely if there's a leaky spigot, then this can't really be like the Soviet Union, right? It's not like CNN, NBC, and the Washington Post have blacked out the lab leak theory, and Vanity Fair is very much a mainstream publication. 
But outright censorship is rarely how media suppression works in 2021 America. Reporters today wouldn't ignore a Kaismith meltdown. They would bury it, relegate it to a page A21, freight it with disclaimers about the right-wing conspiracy theorists. That's what's happening here. Open to the front page of any legacy news publication, turn on any newscast, and you'll learn all about the G7 summit, the Olympics, infrastructure, Delta variant, more about the Capitol riot, plateauing vaccine rates, but nothing about the biggest story in the world right now, perhaps the biggest story of anyone's lifetime. Consider this, China may have manufactured a virus that killed close to 4 million people and then covered it up. It's not like it'd be the first time that China's killed millions of people. Hell, it's not the first time Russia's done it. That this is even a possibility is bone chilling. Even if it's just a possibility, even if it's not true, the facts are important. But in the wrong hands, it could constitute a casus belli. What happens to our diplomacy now that we know Beijing, at a bare minimum, lied early and often about COVID? What about a scientific establishment that appears corrupted by political correctness and groupthink? What does this mean for public trust? Talk about that in the next segment. You would think the press would want to seriously pursue these questions. Pulling a name out of a hat here, how about we look at Dr. Anthony Fauci? During an interview last week with Chuck Todd, that ridiculous lawn gnome standing guard in front of yard of the Biden administration, a discussion of lab leak quickly devolved into softballs about the irredeemable idiocy of Fauci's right-wing detractors. And Fauci was only too peach to play along. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci as he talks in the third person. Dr. Anthony Fauci chided his critics, you're attacking science. So that now the two are one and the same, you see. That Todd had just been faced with an epidemiological equivalent of a dirty cop screaming, I am the law, did not seem to phase him. Farcically, he had used an earlier answer from Fauci as an opportunity to bring up Russia. I'm not saying Todd had to karate kick Fauci in the teeth, and I agree that some of Fauci's critics have been overheated. But given all the revelations swirling at present, imagine what an actual practicing journalist could have done with an interview like that. And what is state media, if not media that protects agents of the state? There isn't a government spokesperson in existence who could have defended Fauci better than Todd did. At least ABC News' Jonathan Carl admitted last week that reporters had previously neglected lab leak evidence, and the question now is, why so many of them are still doing it? It's true that America has an adverse, adversarial press, but the adversary these days isn't so much lies or corruption or the powerful it's a perceived choir of conservative whack jobs who somehow keep on being proven right, including Donald Trump. Those of us who wince at the yellow and scream, oh, nature, and some right-wing media should be nonetheless grateful it exists. Otherwise, we might have to wait another 20 years for the truth to eventually come out. But that's the whole point of my next segment. The truth never comes out, does it? It's always the same thing. The media has been covering up for the progressives and the liberals for as long as I can remember. It started with Kennedy. But the funny thing is, is those secret rendezvous into the bedroom in the late nights without Jackie O, it was to protect the presidency. But now we're protecting the party. They went after Reagan. They went after every major Republican. They label them as xenophobic and racist and homophobic. 
even before they announced that they're running for president. It's almost like they're opening up a bag of tricks every single time there's an election. Isn't it funny that we're about a year and a half away from primaries? And now all of a sudden, the Delta variant is rearing its ugly head. How many times are we going to allow the same thing to happen and say that this is unique? We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. I'm not going to do a D. Snyder song. It might seem like yesterday to some, 100 years ago to others, and even more, and some will have no idea at all who said the following. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. John F. Kennedy, JFK, was an affluent communicator. He did little for our country, but made profound speeches that changed the world. He wasn't the greatest president, but he was someone who stirred the pot and in the right or left direction of center more often than not. He was always against the current and the momentum, from civil rights to not evading Cuba, well, in the open. He swayed against that current incessantly. But his words draw me back. Ask not what your country can do for you. It is a meaningful and patriotic statement. But after 75 years of decay and moral indignities perpetrated against Americans, maybe we better start asking the question, why should we? Why should we continue to die for foreign despotism? Why should we continue to fund and pay for a budget that is anything but? It's more like a five-year-old's Christmas list, and you're buying all the ponies and all of the sweets money can buy. Why should we continue to support either party when it is literally donkey crap or elephant crap, but crap nonetheless? Why should we listen when all we have been doing is listening? And where has that taken us? The American people didn't create slavery. We didn't sell our souls to foreign governments. We didn't play God with gain-of-function research. We never decided to punish the inner cities for drug epidemics. We gladly paid into programs like D.A.R.E. that have done nothing to stop the drug problem. We haven't failed our children. They have. We aren't letting officers die for nothing and allowing the underprivileged youth to die in vain. We haven't kept documents hidden for decades that could help us get to the answers of JFK, Iran-Contra, gun running to Mexico, lawmaker infidelity, slush funds, 9-11 Saudi connections, Spygate, and so many more that I can't even begin to make a dent. We are the abandoned, the abused, and more importantly, the naive. The unvaccinated didn't lock you down for a year. We didn't drain your bank accounts. We didn't take your jobs. We didn't sacrifice the well-being of your children's mental health and their development. We didn't make this political. I stood in line as every shot was administered in the military. My family has had all of their shots. We are not anti-vaxxers. We are pro-answers. Just have questions. And the more the answers are kept from us, the more circumspect we become. It is time to have a conversation and educate people versus threatening them. Forced vaccinations are unconstitutional and do not fall within the purview of emergency authorization of experimental vaccines. The biggest reason for treating vaxxed and unvaxxed people the same miserable way is the claim that vaccinated people can still get COVID enough to pass it on. Funny thing is, you can actually get the measles after being vaccinated for the measles. The vax is actually only 97% effective, similar to the COVID ones. But nobody talks about measles or demands we wear a mask to prevent their spread. We simply accept and deal with the risk. 
So we won't concede the reality kids are unlikely to get sick and should go to school. That the vast majority of deaths occur among the elderly with comorbidities, not the general population. That ill-fitting masks and wiping down groceries with Clorox are just political theater. That the debate has become a political argument instead of an evidence-based one. That everybody agrees the CDC has lost all credibility until one side needs it for some partisan purpose. That previously healthcare decisions started with the premise of first do no harm, while today there is no conversation allowed about the balance of benefits and damages. That we simply tally the collateral damage while the virus remains unaffected. There are some that are healthy, of sound body and mind, who are simply not comfortable with putting just anything in their body. We all have faced this virus and have been exposed. We wore masks. We sheltered in place. We listened while we were siphoned on the verge of bankruptcy. We have lines. We have boundaries. And you do not have to agree with our hesitancy. Nobody wants to do more harm than good. We're trying to do the best with what little information we have. People who are vulnerable with underlying conditions should do what's best for them. People who are fearful should do what's best for them. People who are at risk from the vaccine should do what's best for them. All we are asking is for the same treatment in turn. Let us decide what is best for us. Maybe there is a new tide coming, a tide that has to ask something else of our government for once, a debt that needs to be paid back to every American. A hole that is needed to be filled, like the longing of sleep when we were newborns to this world. Clean and free of deceit, free of entrenchment and blind loyalty. They have taken advantage of our patriotism and unfettered trust. A gift for any people to bestow on their leaders. Even a people who have so much history and the knowledge that trusting our leaders is folly. We are one that willingly oppose tyranny and oppression in our very souls. Because like a wound that festers and never heals, it is a reminder of the yesteryear. Maybe it isn't a question at all. Maybe it's a statement, a declarative statement that thunders in unison as people united and will never and shall never be divided again. Brother is not my enemy. My sister is not my adversary. We are Americans. We are free men and women. We are not bound by principle when we are led by men and women without merit. We are not dedicated to a day long past when our futures are being stolen from us today. We are simply unable to say yes any longer because there is simply no more to give. There is only one answer. There's only one choice. The answer is no more. No more do I have to give. No more you ask of me. The coffers are empty and the well is dry. We deserve the truth. We demand your fealty to the people, by the people, and for the people. We will not relent and let all the world lament when we stand together on that day and finally, for the first time in 245 years, stand together as one. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for allowing me to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, leave some comments below. Remember, we can agree, we can disagree. You can love me, you can hate me. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. If you really want to, that's up to you. I end the show as I always do with the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press one, numero uno. The Veteran Crisis Hotline is there for traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression, 
alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever it is. Veterans are suffering and we're losing 22 a day. During the holidays, it goes up to 27 a day. It is too many. We need your help. Please reach out to a veteran. If you haven't spoken to one in a while, pick up that phone. If you can't do it, call me. I will make the call with you. I will help where I can. And if all that doesn't work, please leave them my web address at donutfriendly.com. They can click at the VCL link and be connected directly to a VCL operator via Skype or their phone to get the help they need. If you are not a veteran and you are a civilian, please do the same. They will help you and not turn you away, even if you are not a veteran. Folks, please give me a like, share, and subscribe like I asked earlier. I would appreciate it. I will see you tomorrow for 203. Enjoy the episode. Make sure to give me that like, share, and subscribe on the video to see all of my updates. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful night, a wonderful afternoon, whenever you're listening, and God bless. Oh, oh, oh.